Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And today, because as the Tenth Doctor likes to say, everything is wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, we will be talking about the movie that has come out recently in the James Bond franchise, No Time to Die. Recently is an interesting turn it of is. phrase, but okay. True. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it came out, I don't know, a few months ago. We've already talked about it once. Yeah, by the time this episode is published, it'll have come out a long time ago. Uh, true. But yes, that is true. We, we have talked about this once. That was our initial thoughts after having just seen the movie. And now the movie has been out on Blu-ray, so we were able to watch it from the comfort of our own homes. And we're going to talk about it some more. Yeah. And we will be recording this now, and you'll hear about it before you hear about other things we've recorded previously, because again, we're... As we said before, we're very bad at podcasting. Indeed. <laughs> but hey, we got our first uh, cryptocurrency spam tweet today, so that was something. We have arrived. We will be selling Casper mattresses within several months from now. Yeah. Or not. Our audible.com. There you go. Or some random uh, computer service that nobody's heard of. <laughs> I've probably heard of them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so no, no time to die. Yes, so I'll just, you know, do the usual. It was finally released in 2021, and it was directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who was the second director on the project. Originally, Danny Boyle was going to direct the, the film, and then because of delays and other things, he dropped out. Uh, the screenplay was by our good friends Purvis and Wade, who are still, still getting credit for writing Bond films ever since. Uh, uh, the World is Not Enough, I think, was their first one. Um, and then... How in the world did the same people who wrote Die Another Day also write this movie? Or Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this time out, they had, uh, co-writers were, uh, Fukunaga, Kerry Joji Fukunaga again, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge apparently came on to do some rewrites as well, which is not a name I was expecting to see in a Bond film, but I, I like most of what she does, and I think... You know, I I like the screenplay of this film, so... Yeah, no, it was pretty good screenplay. Mm-hmm. Better than the one to die another day. That is very true. <laughs> so, we talked, uh... I mean, I think I literally was coming out of the theater when we talked about this last time. Yes. Uh, I think we were both fairly positive about the movie. Do you still feel that way after having sat with it and watched it again at least once and Yes, everything? still, okay. I, I still very much enjoy the movie, Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't care less about Safin. Yeah, I I think, and I haven't gone, I should have gone back and listened to our first episode so I didn't repeat myself. Uh, (laughs) But why why do homework when you're just watching the movie? I mean, half of my notes were just copy and paste from my original. In fact, I just edited the the original note. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I I didn't have notes, so I had to start over again but yeah i think safin is the weakest part of the movie and i think i said that last time and mm-hmm. i still feel that way i don't and it's not again it's not a knock on rami malik i think no. he's just not written in any way that's that interesting yeah i would agree mm-hmm. but it's interesting that despite the fact that neither of us care about the villain it still ends up being a very good story it does uh and i think after we've gone through the movie we should talk a little bit about you know any we, we, we hypothesized a little bit last time uh, about where this is going to go, and maybe we can... I still have no idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very much... And I'm 
I've been writing, I have a blog post of my own that I've been writing since the movie came out and because of other things, I've never actually finished it. Just kind of ruminating a bit about how Bond has changed and how the Bond films have changed where it used to be Bond was essentially a nothing, empty suit kind of character. He, he, his character was defined by the actor playing him more than what was on the page, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by now, the story is entirely about James Bond and his relationships with various individuals and has really the 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 mission or the, the heist or the evil plot or whatever it is of the, uh, in the movie is almost secondary or is not maybe even tertiary to the things going on in Bond's life. And I think that's an interesting change that we've seen in the franchise throughout, I, I really started in the Craig era, I would say. Whereas before that, it was always a one-off mission, and Bond didn't really change between movies and things like that. And now, it's all about his arc. Even when you look back at the Craig era, I think it's it's really you can see a start and an end, yeah, literally an end <laughs> to James Bond <laughs> <laughs> as Daniel Craig plays him, which we never saw that before. Yeah, no, there's definite character growth. Like this, the from Casino Royale to No Time to Die, you see the character go through quite a few changes and mm-hmm. just evolve. And yeah. yes, that's very that's very different. We certainly didn't see that with Roger Moore. Or um... no, no. And I was just thinking because with Ro- I mean, we we literally published our uh, A View to a Kill episode the same day that we're recording this one, which you know closes out the Roger Moore era and. Despite the fact that Roger Moore was in his mid to late 50s by the end of that, I don't think he was being written in any way that was different from the way he was written in Live and Let Die. Other than maybe, you know, Mankiewicz isn't writing, so it's better. <laughs> <laughs> but other other than that, you know, the, he, they could have done A View to a Kill in the mid 70s, and it would he would have been the same same James Bond. Yeah, it's also so. worth pointing out that Daniel Craig is in his mid-50s in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. <laughs> and looks a lot younger than Roger Moore does in a few movies. <laughs> yes, yes he does. <laughs> he, and younger than Sean Connery did when he was in his late 30s. Although I would argue that Daniel Craig looks better at every point in his... That Daniel Craig in this movie looks better than Roger Moore or Sean Connery did in any of their movies. Not necessarily younger, but certainly, you know, mm-hmm. in better shape. Well, and you pointed this out, I think, at the end of your notes about how Daniel Craig's been James Bond for a long time. The longest. Uh, yeah. If we're just talking in terms of years, 2006 to 2021, that is... That's 15 years. No Bond was in was Bond for 15 years before Craig. Right. Now, both Moore and Connery have more movies, but that's because mm-hmm. they churned them out so quickly for a while there. Yeah, remember back in the Connery era, it was every year, mm-hmm. practically, at least I think through Thunderball, that there was a new James Bond movie. I can't imagine almost any movie <laughs> coming out once one a year anymore. Yeah, no. The way they make them, you know. And... and you know, a big budget movie. So, I mean, this movie was delayed for so many reasons. Honestly, the last time I can remember something like that um, were the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Yeah. But that's because they filmed them all at once. Right. And if you go and watch the special features, they almost didn't come out. <laughs> I guess there's the also, I mean, the MCU puts out a couple movies every year. Yeah, but those are different. Those are different 
productions. Like, right. I mean, you're you're not seeing. It's hard to say now because they're kind of wrapped up and they're they're launching a whole new phase of MCU. But it's not like you saw Iron Man one, two, and three in three years. Or you right. know, it was it was always introducing new new characters, new arcs, new subplots, things like that. And and yeah. occasionally they would they would throw in you know a random mention of somebody or somebody would pop up who would then have a movie in a couple years but it was not yeah no yeah yeah. it's not the same thing i'm just saying that is Mm -hmm. one thing that that does happen yeah and for a while there disney wanted to do multiple star wars movies for a year before that crashed and burned yeah i kind of i mean i wish they'd done that i mean although i i I, let me back up because i think tv is a better format for a lot of these things and i think I think TV is a better format for storytelling. Period. The yeah. way that they use it now. That said, I think the Star Wars story movies were better than some of the actual Star Wars. Yeah. Movies. Yeah. I I regularly will incite a lot of crap on Twitter by saying that the only of the only new uh, saga movie that I liked was the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that it's okay. You can. You're wrong, but it's all right. Well, I mean, the Force Awakens. You're not wrong. The Force Awakens is good. It was, but I also really liked Force Awakens. Yeah, no, no, I, I I like the Force Awakens too. Uh, It's just the Last Jedi is the only one that did anything new. I mean, if if you said that Rise of Skywalker was your favorite of the new movies, then I think we'd have to end this podcast. (laughs) Irreconcilable differences, but uh, I I I don't know this movie. Would I've never heard of this movie? What is it? They're still going to make the last episode in that season, series, right? Uh, yeah, the plot will make sense. Yeah. The Last Jedi ends on the perfect note for the entire saga. You don't need any more. It certainly ends on a better note than the train wreck that we got. Oh, God. <laughs> terrible. Just just terrible. However, that's not this movie. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this This series ended on a very good note. It did, especially. I have no out of... freaking clue where they're going from here, but it did no. end in a good note. It, yeah, and we we touched on this back in whatever episode it was where we talked about this movie when it came out. But the fact that so much of this movie is predicated on Spectre, which neither of us liked, <laughs> is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. So I've told you probably a couple times at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the Christmas holiday, I got this movie on Blu-ray. I'm like, okay. I'm going to sit down and watch Spectre and No Time to to Die together. I bet they work pretty well paired up, sort of like Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Mm -hmm. I got 40 minutes into Spectre and said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't say that this movie redeems anything in Spectre. It just makes what happened in Spectre make better sense, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, obviously, what happened in Spectre is important for this movie. You'd yep. be a little lost seeing this movie if you hadn't seen Spectre. Mm-hmm. Heck, you'd be lost having not seen... You really need to have seen all of the movies leading up to this one. Yeah. Of the Craig era. You don't yeah, have and to that's... go back and watch all of them. But Yeah, I mean, that's also something that's new. I mean, you could go see... I mean, why would you go see Octopussy? But... <laughs> <laughs> More you people could, you saw could, that than never say never again. You you could see, yeah you could see Octopussy and not be lo- and and if you hadn't seen the Spy Who Loved Me you'd be fine. I would argue you would be a little lost having seen Oct- when you see Octopussy, but that but having seen the other movies doesn't help. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
that was yeah. a movie. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for us, you'll have to forgive us. Roger Moore is fresh in our memories because we've just published those episodes, so we've mm-hmm. listened to those. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, I'm going to make a comment later about something I said in a recent episode that just came out. Oh, uh, boy, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in this movie, um, we get a bloodless gun barrel, which is weird. But yeah, a little bit. It it opens into this snowy wilderness area and this creepy looking person slinking up to a house. Like I, So I didn't have the benefit of subtitles, or English subtitles, when I, obviously, when I went to the theater. Mm-hmm. And it took me a minute to realize that the woman lounging around on the couch wasn't Madeline mm. and that the Madeline was the little girl. And it, so, I mean, this is obviously a flashback to Madeline's childhood here where, you know, her mother's a drunk and this is after her father, who is Mr. White, who we've seen in previous movies has gone up. I like the scene where Madeline goes to her mom and her mom's like, what do you think he, what do you think he actually does? And, she thinks he's a doctor or something because she's a kid, you know, and she's like, no, your father kills people. And which is true. I mean, we've yeah. we've seen Mr. White do his thing in a couple movies. Her mom just lies around and drinks and swallows pills and everything. And I I appreciate the check, the literal Chekhov's gun in this time we get in the cabinet. Yes, I, I really like how they play that, though. Like you think she's helpless and then she mm-hmm. just blows him away. Yeah. I, I don't know how he survives. It's an excellent question. I mean, okay, maybe he's wearing a bulletproof vest, but he still falls onto his back from the second story. Yep. I like the mask he's wearing. I think it's creepy. Yes. In a good way. And, like, survive is one thing, but, like, then how does he, like, manage to stand up and walk after right. her? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, would be, he would be incapacitated in some way. You'd think, yes. And I still struggle a bit, and I don't know how the movie would have addressed this, uh, with the fact that I'm guessing Madeline, throughout, I mean, through the bulk of the movie, is maybe 30-ish, I guess. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And here she's probably, what, 11, 12, if that. And so you're, you're saying Safin doesn't look 20 years older. Right, yeah, I was going to say Rami Malek looks like Rami Malek throughout the entire movie. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But that's just nitpicking. <laughs> we don't do that on this podcast. We never do that in this podcast. How does he... Because it really doesn't look like he's aiming. How does he shoot through the ice to save her without killing her? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, he's she's very lucky those bullets didn't hit her. And then what I want to know is, what did he do with her? Excellent question. <laughs> like, he clearly didn't take her off and raise her or anything that we know of. I mean, because that's the end of what we see. We just see... Then we cut to present day and... Right, and she doesn't know him when he shows up later until he shows the mask. So it's not like... Right. Yeah, I don't know. But now we cut forward to not quite present day. No. Oh, that's true, because we have another time jump. Yeah. And we get a reference to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. We we get a lot of references to that movie in this movie. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'll say... You know, going into the movie the first time, the ending surprised me both in that they would do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoilers for the movie. Um, they kill James Bond in this movie. Uh, Whoa. But also, but, Thanks but for also, ruining it. Yeah, I know. But also that nobody knew that. Like, there was no... I didn't... I try to avoid spoilers and stuff, but nobody was spoiling it anywhere. 
I mean, a lot of people were speculating. I think you and I were saying he probably will die in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of speculation, but certainly no one knew. No. But then one thing I noticed, or it occurred to me when I was watching this the second time, was like, of course that's what happens. Like, they they really... I mean, with with all of the the you know we have all the time in the world stuff, and they play the song, and and it's 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 kind of it seems obvious after the fact that that's where this movie was going, at least to me. I mean, yeah, I'm like, where else? How else could this have ended? I mean, they're not yeah. going to kill Madeline. They did that in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. They're not going to do that again. Oh, that would have been rough. Yeah. No, because then they would have had to. Because then Daniel Craig would have to stay around to get his revenge. Yep, and he's not. Yep, <laughs> definitely not. No. Yeah, so they're they're just kind of driving around and doing their thing, I guess. I mean, I, I still have questions about what happens here in Italy. And yep. At least I think it's Italy, right? Yeah, I believe um, so. Yeah. I mean, th- this whole bit beginning is setting up, you know, that uh, he won't talk about Vesper and she has a secret that she's not talking about that doesn't really turn out to be much of a secret, but he goes to visit Vesper's grave, which is very conveniently located where they are. And the sense I got was that Madeline had them go there. Yes. Or it was her idea to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is problematic later on, I think. Yeah. Because they make Boo Loop in the hotel, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and the next morning, Bond goes off to visit Vesper's grave in the Acropolis, which is quite an impressive structure actually for yeah. for somebody who he he had ferreted out as being an orphan in casino royale but also are photographs built into tombstones is that like a thing that people do it, I, maybe i, I want to know where they got a photo like a screenshot from casino royale for the photograph <laughs> well there is that <laughs> we'll see Bond lives in a universe where James Bond movies also exist, obviously. Yes, that's, yeah, clearly. And I'm also trying to figure out, he goes, so he writes a note, because there's this whole thing about the this time of year where people write notes and they burn them mm-hmm. as wishes or confessions and things. And he goes to the, he goes to the grave and he write he burns this note and it says, forgive me on it. And I'm like, what does she have to forgive him for? That's an excellent question. Yeah. Like, She's the one, I mean, rewind back to Casino Royale, she's the one that would essentially betrayed him yep. to uh, to Mr. White. But anyway, he burns the note and then picks up a little business card that's in the foliage there, and it has the Spectre uh, octopus logo on it. And then the tomb explodes. And what I want to know is, was the, that card part of the trigger mechanism to set off the bomb? It must have. Like, it's the only way it makes sense, right? Yeah, because the bomb goes off right after he picks it up. And otherwise, they 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 just happen to time that really. I well. like him trying to talk on the phone and realizing he can't hear though. That's good. Yeah, I I really like this this um, hearing loss sound design they do here, and they they do it again later, where he can't hear and and even I mean, the audience can't really hear either very well. Because if you've ever been to like a rock concert or something, when you come out of it, it's it it kind of feels this way, where your your ears aren't working quite well quite as well as they should anymore but then we get uh get our first big action beat here yeah there's uh he's really lucky that uh that rock is if it was very conveniently placed on the bridge yeah that's a very convenient rock to hide behind also very convenient cable to swing down from the bridge yes 
This is the first of several stunts in this uh, section of the movie that if I didn't know it was actually a practical thing, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> it's the uh, sort of thing you'd expect from Mission Impossible. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Mission Impossible in this movie, I think, yeah. in, at times. Uh, also, going back to your comment about how Daniel Craig is in his 50s, uh, we get a lot of not Daniel Craig in, <laughs> yeah. in some of the scenes like we used to get not Roger Moore. Yes, the difference being that you know it's not Roger Moore because you know Roger Moore because you know that Roger Moore's Bond could never actually do those stunts. Whereas True. I believe that Daniel Craig's Bond could. Yeah, I yeah, I'm with you there. We get our but, first appearance of um, what do they call the guy? They don't the, the one the the bionic eye guy. Yeah, uh, who I hadn't noticed in the theater is wearing an amazing jacket. It is an amazing jacket. Uh, he is primo. Okay, sure. <laughs> Primo. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> That's what the Bond wiki says, anyway. Okay. We'll go with Primo. Uh, the, this this bicycle jump is another stunt that I wouldn't have believed, except they actually did that. <laughs> Which I think we mentioned, or I mentioned on our first recording, that it, were, it feels like something out of the Bourne Ultimatum when Jason Bourne is going through uh, Tangier. Yeah, and that jump in the Bourne Ultimatum, I also didn't believe. No. <laughs> and then, yeah, he gets to the hotel, and the porter tells him that his bags are already down. Because mm -hmm. Madeline had said that, which, of course, gets Bond suspicious. Yep. And I buy this. Yeah. This is the, the Bond that Daniel Craig has been playing the whole time. Yes. And we get a very long car chase. Now, this movie is almost three hours long. Yep. And for the most part... It has part, so much time to die. <laughs> yeah, for the, for the most part, it doesn't feel overlong, but in my last rewatch, there were some moments where I was like, they could have trimmed some of this. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those moments where I think that this car chase goes on a little longer than it needs to. A little longer, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I like his... I'm just going to sit in the courtyard while they shoot the car to hell because I want you to tell me what's going on. Okay, but... Yeah. I get that it's bulletproof glass. Mm -hmm. But if we've gotten to the point, and I know I complained about this already the last time we talked about <laughs> this movie, but I'm going to do it again because it still bugs the shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> if we get to the point where the glass is actually breaking such that pieces of the glass are falling inside the car that window no longer has structural integrity and the whole thing is going to break open yep i i agree with you anyway yes otherwise that's a good scene mm -hmm. but eventually he gets his um gatling gun which has always bothered me because that's not the gadget from goldfinger it is not um, but the car was rebuilt after uh, after skyfall yeah but in skyfall it had those gatling guns and it wasn't I mean, the bullet, the, the, the machine guns are behind the little turn signal lights in Goldfinger. But anyway. Well, now I wonder where they are in my Lego version of the car. <laughs> okay, but yes, he, he uses the gun in the car to take out the goons. Yep. There's a lot of people missing eyes in this movie. I mean, two, but that's still more than the usual number of people missing eyes in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Well, there's two, right? That's what I'm saying. That's more than the usual number. Well, they're like walkie-talkies. You have to have two bionic eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize the whole thing... <laughs> the, yeah, the whole Cuba thing only works if you have two people with 
yeah. missing eyes. But right. still. <laughs> yeah, so they get away and Bond essentially tells Madeline, like, I'm done with you. You're getting on the train. And she says, how will I know you're okay? And Bond says, you won't. Yep. And the train pulls out of the station. And I really like the, I think we both mentioned, the the Dr. No Dots. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is is great. I like it. It's a nice little uh, callback. And I think I like the theme theme music more than you do. It's fine. I think I'm just old at this point. (laughs) Like, I, Billie Eilish is not somebody who's, ever done much for me and that's not necess- that's that's probably my fault and not a knock on Billie Eilish because there are a lot of fans out there of Billie Eilish and I don't begrudge them any uh, I'm I, mostly ambivalent towards Billie Eilish yeah I mean that's kind of where I'm at I don't dislike her but music I think, the, just, I think the theme is fine yeah the, the lyrics you know after getting to watch this a couple times I mean the lyrics really do make sense with the movie actually plays out the melody does which is not something you get much anymore with these songs uh which i liked um han zimmer is able to use the the melody uh, in the in the scene when when bond goes to uh i mean it's her better than sam smith oh god yes i mean this so the, so by the time people hear this we might already know uh but <laughs> I mean, this, this this song was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, by the time and... people hear this, they will, will definitely know yeah. the, the yeah, Academy yeah. Awards are in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, right. So, I mean, the fact that the Writings on the Wall won an Academy Award, <laughs> I guess any Bond song is going to win an Academy Award now. <laughs> but I also feel like we're kind of in a phase where songs just don't show up in movies unless it's a musical anymore anyway. Right. Like we're not we're not talking about like the heyday of the late eighties and nineties where you just had pop songs in movies. Yeah, there just aren't that many anymore. No. And when they usually these days if there is music in a song it's music that it's pre existing music. Mm hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean I guess it might. I mm-hmm. don't know. What else what other movies had songs in them in the past year? I don't know. I mean Encanto, I guess, but that's a music I mean all the, they're all music. Encanto so. did yeah, but that's a whole other category. Right. Um, but I don't think it is, though. Pic- this is did, it? This did not get a Best Picture nomination, did it? It did not. I think it probably could have. Or 
Cut. And people are people are griping about how Daniel Craig didn't get a nomination either. I mean, to be fair, the I think the only the only movie that did get a Best Picture nomination this year that I've seen is Dune. So, mm-hmm. I, so it was a weird year. I only went to the theater a handful. Of yeah, times. Um, I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be the Benedict Cumberbatch movie that wins most likely, just based on how many nominations it got. But uh, which one even? Which I I have not been paying attention. To what's the Benedict Cumberbatch movie? Um, I don't remember that. It's the dog one. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. But yeah, I just I I I've gone to see two movies in the theater this in recent year. Uh, this whole past, you know, whatever, and it was this movie and Dune. So. I saw Dune at home because it was on HBO Max. Well, I saw it at home too, and then I went to see it in IMAX because mm. why okay, wouldn't you? That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I saw no this year. This past year, I saw this. Um, Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> um, that was my triumphant return to the movies after being vaccinated. Was Godzilla versus Kong, and it was worth it because it would have been it would have sucked to watch it at home because it wasn't very good, but it was worth <laughs> it was worth it to see it on the big screen. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, Fast and the Fu- whatever the F nine I think they called it. Yep. I don't know. F nine. Yeah. Um. And uh, there's one other. Oh yeah, uh, Spider Man. Oh no, and and the two um, there were the two Marvel movies. Um, okay. Oh the the Shang Chi and, and the Ten uh, Rings, yeah. Eternals. Okay. And then I also saw Spider Man. Okay. But that was that's way. I mean, before the pandemic, I had a I had a AMC Plus membership so that I could you know watch up to three three movies a week. So right. I, I used to watch a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, this movie. Yeah. Uh, I like the shot, so we get the stereotypical um, secret laboratory hidden in downtown London uh, in a building somewhere. But I, I I like the direction of this movie. I think there's some interesting shots. I like how they, they break in through the window, but it's upside down. I thought that was a clever little thing where they, you know, they break up, they cut open the window with the lasers and it falls and they flip the thing over. Uh, but here, here's where we meet... Um, scientist guy who's gonna we're gonna follow through the whole movie who's he's a dick uh yeah definitely he's been in a bunch of other things though yes he's definitely one of uh one of that guy's kind of thing so he copies this information onto a flash drive and then he's supposed to swallow it which i think would be hard to do yeah they're not swallow a flash drive yeah (laughs) i have enough trouble swallowing pills (laughs) yeah i also love Ever, any movie ever, the way they try to do UI on a computer yeah. is interesting. Yeah, so they're Safin, the guy from the beginning, calls and tells the guy that they're breaking into this lab and essentially gives him a heads up, so he's clearly in on something. This movie just feels like a better version of Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a worse version. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's hard, but... And I can't remember if we talked about this on the the original show on this or not, but just the idea of we're cu- we we have a movie that's delayed because of a global pandemic, and then it turns out to be about a bio warfare virus thing, right? Which, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Bellerophon; it's uh, Heracles this time. Which I have things to say about Heracles, but we'll get there. I do like this. We're gonna throw you down an elevator shaft with magnets. Uh, I don't know if you recognized, but I did. Um, uh-huh. The one scientist, the one that uh, has to help get 
get the the stuff out of storage. Oh, with the beard? Yes. Okay. Did you recognize him from Fleabag? Um, let me go back. From Fleabag? Yeah. Well, that could be why be a Phoebe Waller-Bridge thing. Um, no. He was the bank manager that then was also at, then also, like, showed up a couple other times. Oh, okay. Uh, he, I also know him from a British, uh, sitcom called My Hero back in the day. I don't know that one. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to. <laughs> <laughs> We, we each have our blind spots when it comes to... <laughs> Are British sitcoms from the 90s and early 2000s really a blind spot, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, I get you don't recognize them, and I do, but I don't know that that really means it's a blind spot and more... <laughs> you watched a lot of PBS, I, I did. <laughs> My parents didn't have cable, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, meanwhile, I was watching A&E, so... Right, I didn't have cable. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I just wanted to mention that, because he was in Fleabag. Okay. Yeah. We, we've got the crossover there, because, yes, Phoebe Waller-Bridge helped write this episode. Or well, movie. I mean, and the hot priest was in the last movie. Yes, he was. So, we cut to Money Penny going into M's office, because she's seen a report or something, and M says, yes, I've seen it, and then he sits up and opens the thing and turns on the screens. If he's seen it, why does he need to see it again? Yeah, and clearly M knows something's going on here, because he's covering it up with a gas leak story and all that business. Yep, it's a gas leak. It's a gas leak. <laughs> it just <laughs> makes me think of, of Men in Black. <laughs> Some swamp gas reflected off of Venus. <laughs> we should watch those movies. Yeah, we should. Find out Bond's doing pretty okay for himself out here in Jamaica. Yeah. Now, I, I'm i not the, the best morning person in the world, so I tend to sleep as late as possible to get up and back in the day, pre-pandemic, when I would actually go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never once brushed my teeth while showering. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> also, he finds a cigar. He does. Because that, that means Roger Moore's been here. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't, because Roger Moore wouldn't have smoked the, all the way down. He would have left oh, it, like, mostly, mostly unsmoked. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get Chekhov's toothbrush here. I tried we- shaving in the shower once. I don't like quickly, that either. quickly realized that it was really hard to be able to look at the mirror while showering. Yeah, because they steam up. <laughs> yeah. I've I, no, I've never brushed my teeth in the shower. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> and I also don't like to get up in the morning. <laughs> and we find out Felix is here, along with Logan Ash, who like immediately like who didn't know that Logan Ash was going to turn on them. Yeah, and I mean especially now for us because we just recently watched um, Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm-hmm. So we had you know. Well, or any of the Missions Impossible movies where there's always somebody that's tra- that's turning on them. Yeah, but I feel like Mission Impossible Fallout, especially Henry Cavill's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very Logan Ash like. Yes, uh, Henry Cavill would beat the crap out of Logan Ash. Well, sure. Also, Logan Ash is such a white douchebag name. <laughs> yes. Like Logan Ash is definitely going to his parents' house in the vineyard this weekend. I think Logan Ash and Truman Lodge should just hang out together. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they both go to the country club and wear their sweaters draped around their neck and all that crap. I do like when... Well, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
I do like when Bond refers to him as the Book of Mormon. <laughs> yes, that was good. <laughs> oh, and they're drinking Heineken, because of course they are. They don't always drink Heineken, but yes, often. I don't know why, like, the, like, the glad-handing version of Logan Ash, he reminds me of the trooper guy from Knives Out. Yeah. Like, they should have cast him, <laughs> since they're casting a bunch of people from Knives Out, because, well, at least two, but... Also, I realize that you want your beer to be, like, 12 times darker than Heineken, but some people like Heineken. Heineken's fine. <laughs> They've just been sponsoring this sh- this movies for a long time now. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it's better than poor Nokia, who has a phone that's outdated by the time the movie came out. Bond, so Felix is trying to rope Bond into helping him get the, the Russian Valdo, sir, the, the, the scientist Russian guy. dude. Yeah. Russian dude. And Bond wants nothing to do with it, and he... Valdo, Valdo Oberchev. Oberchev, yeah. I'm just going to keep this page open. Okay, good. Very helpful. <laughs> now, his car won't start, and he gets picked up by Nomi, who I'm I'm assuming just sabotaged his car. Yes. So she could pick him up. Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they're subverting the stupid trope here where she goes into the bedroom and he follows her and then she takes her wig off and he says, that's not the first first thing thing I expect you to take off. Yes, that was good. (laughs) Yes. It turns out she's from MI6, one of the double O's, and actually 007, which we find out. Mm -hmm. I feel kind of bad because we didn't really talk about her at all last time. And yeah, I think she's an interesting I character. I think I forgot I, her name last time. I'm pretty yeah. sure I just called well, her they the say new once. 007. They say it once, I think. They say it like it. two or three times, actually. Okay. okay. Um, but yes, mostly, yeah. I, yeah. No, I think I don't, I don't think I knew her name until I watched it this time. I'm like, oh, yeah. Also, subtitles help. Yes. So both MI6 and CIA are after the Russian guy, but they're not working together, which is obviously a red flag it's disappointing that we never get to see the supercar that m's uh next to in in action in this movie yeah i would have liked to see that there aren't a lot of gadgets in this movie no which i'm okay with well there's the nanites or nanobots nanobots yes well yeah we have uh, yeah (laughs) we have things to say about those later yes i like when bond arrives in cuba and then 007 arrives in Cuba and she just waves at him. Yes, like, that's they, they know good. what they're doing. They know what they're going doing here. Uh, <laughs> Bond goes to meet Paloma. Paloma's awesome. Paloma's great. I want Daniel Craig and Anna de Armas to be in every movie now. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them in two movies together, and I like both of them. Exactly. The other movie we're talking about is Knives Out. For yes, those of us who do, those of you who don't know, which is an incredible movie, probably one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Yes, you should I agree. definitely watch it if you haven't. Anyone who grew up watching any of the Agatha Christie mysteries would appreciate that movie a lot because it's it's just really good. How many weirdos like us grew up watching Agatha Christie mysteries? Probably more than you think. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I grew up watching A and E back when A and E showed Agatha Christie mysteries and not like ice trucker mo- shows. Uh, <laughs> I also grew up watching Murders to Root, which is you know basically Agatha Christie. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the same people that did Columbo. Yes, we are going to do a Col- do Columbo at some point. We should do. This, yeah, right? I think so. Because I stopped watching them so that we oh could do okay them together. good good. <laughs> 
Anyway, yes, I, I I like I like the whole thing. I like how Paloma is nervous because it's her first big mission. Mm-hmm. So in the theater, because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this before and I didn't know where this was going, and I rem- and I knew Anna de Armas from Knives Out and you know from uh, Blade Runner, mm-hmm. and I think that's about it. Really, I mean she's done other things, but I remembered the kind of nervous character she tended to play. Uh-huh. I was worried we we're getting another like Rosie Carver here from Live and Let Die who's new on the job and doesn't quite know what she's doing and and I mean part of me was like no this is 2021 they're not going to be that sexist here. Yeah. But at the same time I was concerned that she was going to be less than competent and it turns out she's actually very competent and indeed quite a ass kicker in this movie. <laughs> uh Here's where the our, our Russian dude is playing some kind of game that we're not quite sure what he's doing because he swaps out this USB stick for another one. He's programming something, this weapon that they keep talking about that we don't know what it is. I'm not sure how this works. Yeah. So the whole idea is this Heracles thing is a nano robot, like this little robot that can get inside your body. And if you have the right DNA sequence it will kill you yep so i have questions uh, <laughs> i mean this whole this whole conceit of this scene is that blofeld's plot is we're going to pump this nanobot into the air and kill bond because we have his dna right that, i mean yes. that's what the original idea is and then our scientist who's working for safin pulls a fast one on them and programs it to kill every member of specter in the room now can these nanobots be programmed for multiple DNA sig- sequences, or is Apparently. there like, or is there like one nanobot per DNA, and they just happen to fall on the right person? I mean, I, I no, don't. I'm, I assumed they could be programmed for multiple. That's a lot of DNA sequences to be programmed, because D- I mean DNA is. We talked about this before, like how big a DNA text file would be, mm-hmm. and they're 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 little robots, and apparently they never stop working, even if they have no power, which I don't understand either. I, yeah, how are they, how are they powered? I don't know. Yeah, there's, uh, I also refuse to believe that it can't possibly be eliminated. Yeah, I mean, if they're robots, an EMP should work, you would think. But anyway, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but still. I mean, this party's a little weird. They have the, the eye on the, the pillow going around. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the super serious guy carrying it. Yeah. I feel like that's the type of character he always plays. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know him from anything, but... I've definitely seen him in things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know we talked about DNA files yeah. sa- saved as a text file before, mm-hmm. but apparently... I, I was looking this up again because I couldn't remember the details. Apparently, compressed, it can be 80 gigabytes. Okay. Which... Per person. Yeah, but still, that's... Yeah... <sighs> You can get terabytes of data into tiny little things now, though. Right. So it's fee—it's kind of maybe feasible. But what I want to know then is because they also wouldn't need all the DNA because they would only need a certain piece of it. Yeah, except that there's so much commonality among people's DNA. I yeah, I've been one. There there have to be false positives with this thing. Yeah, 
I've yeah. been thinking about that since the beginning, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you have the entire DNA sequence, it's going to be probably unique to an individual. But if you have just certain chunks of it, there's definitely going to be false positives. Well, that's well, we see that later because the Spectre family members start dying. Right, which I also have questions about because that's not how DNA works. <laughs> Your kid is not going to have appreciably... Because your, their DNA is made up of a combination of both parents. So... Right. And you have, and it's luck. It's completely random as to how much and what from yeah. each parent you would get. Yeah, because you actually have both genes, and then certain ones are turned on and turned off, or certain chromosomes are turned on and turned off at, at in any one cell. Right. So, but I mean, it's not like up until this movie, the Bond franchise has been extremely authentic <laughs> with its science either. Yeah, there is that. I mean. I always get the sense that they read an, a, a magazine, like a, um, they read like a Scientific American article, and then they say, oh, let's make a movie about that. They have the Brennan Braga approach to scientific yes. accuracy. It's, it, it's some kind of DNA sequence. Uh, Introns. Yeah. Intron. <laughs> RVN. <laughs> I realize I'm talking over this as Paloma is kicking some serious ass, and it's awesome. Yes. She is great in this whole yeah. scene. And I, yeah. I'm sorry she's only in the movie for this little bit. Let but. her be the new Bond. Yeah. No, I want, I want an, I want a spinoff where you have the new 007 and Paloma going off and doing missions together. See, you've forgotten her name too. It's Nomi. Nomi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a Paloma and Nomi movie. I absolutely would watch that, if yeah. If the Fast and Furious movies can spawn a Hobbs and Shaw movie, then this can be <laughs> Paloma and Nomi. Bond would know how to fly this plane. Yes. All right, we're gonna get to the one, we're getting to the part of the movie that I hate. Felix Slater. Yeah, I hate how it happens. I I'd be okay with Felix dying if it like actually meant something, right? But it doesn't. Now I have to pause for a second and say that we just released our our View to a Kill episode, and we were talking about Lieutenant Hip, or not Lieutenant Hip. Um, he was in a different movie. Uh, this was um. Well, David Yip, the the, mm-hmm. the the guy the guy in San Francisco whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> He's played by David. I Yip. just listened to that today and I've forgotten it. <laughs> Charlie something, I think. Charlie Lee, I think. Char- Char- Chuck Lee. Chuck Lee. Chuck Lee. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So I just so, pulled it up in the Bond yeah. wiki. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about Chuck Lee dying because everyone who helps Bond as as an ally gets killed unless they're Felix Leiter, and I made an. Multiple times I said, well, Felix Leiter doesn't die. He gets maimed by sharks and stuff, but he doesn't die. <laughs> Clearly, I recorded that before this movie came out. Uh, right. Because, yeah, Felix gets shot by Logan Ash in this in in this scene. And they dither around with it for a while, like they might save him and stuff, but then they don't. Yep. And it sucks, as far as I'm concerned. Very much. And as usual, we're both nitpicking and complaining about stuff and we both like this movie but Mm -hmm. i I don't like this decision no give it more weight give him may have him do something don't just have him die at least i mean i hate i I, you know making it about bond instead of somebody else but like he could have at least you know took a taken a bullet for him or something right but no he just gets shot yep by logan and ash of all people yeah no this whole i yeah i don't care for this the this direction i just don't yeah 
I, I like, though, you know, there's a fight and Bond goes down into the hold where Felix fell and Logan Ash locks the door and he goes to the doctor and says, I'm I'm with Safin and the guy and then the doctor's like introduces himself and he's like, yeah, I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Harriet Jones, prime minister. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I also really like. When Felix is saying, I don't know about you, but I've got a feeling in, a, in my gut, Ash might not be on our side. Yes. While he's yeah. clutching his side. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, too. Yep. But then everything else sucks. Yeah. And then, so, they set a charge on the boat, and it sinks. And they're trying to figure out how to get out of the hold. And then at the end, Bond just goes up and opens the door. Yep. Like, I thought Ash locked... The, anyway. Don't think I, too hard. I mean, I guess I sort of like the parallel of Felix in the water with Vesper, but other than that, it's, yeah, whatever. N- not a fan. So Bond goes back to London. Yep. He's in a Thunderball raft at one point. Yes, he is. Thankfully, he doesn't get picked up by <laughs> Yeah. We get a quick shot of the bulldog from that M left him. Yes. And I like how he goes to his garage and he gets out the... Uh, the Timothy Dalton era Aston Martin. Uh-huh. I would have loved to see a Lotus, personally, but the Mar- Aston Martin's pretty that good, That Lotus would have been handy for escaping the sinking ship. Yeah, would have been. <laughs> and we have a scene reminiscent of uh, Star Trek Picard. Oh, the visitor badge. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, guy, where the guy doesn't know who he is. Yep. Bond. James Bond. I do like the, uh, the banter between him and Nomi, the 007, that must bother you. That must bother you. <laughs> no, I do like that. And then he goes in, he's like, has this desk got bigger, or have you got smaller? And then at the end, he's th- the desk is the same size. Yes, or it's definitely, definitely the same, the same desk. desk. Yeah. <laughs> I always, ever since Skyfall, I like the idea of Ray Fiennes playing M, but I don't necessarily like the way they play him. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm just... I guess I'm tired of M having done something stupid. Mm, yes. Or or actively driving the plot. Like there 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 are roles in Bond that aren't supposed to actively drive the plot and M is one of them, <laughs> I think. I do like when Bond says, "My god, you're thirsty at the moment." Oh yes, when he pours him another drink. Yeah. Yeah. Plus they have the two padded doors now. Yes, thankfully. We've got the two padded doors again. Yep. I really like the look of his office. Oh yeah. Also, we don't see it. We don't see it here, but we will later see that in the in his off in the office area, there are paintings on the wall of all three of the former M's. Yes, which is great. Yeah, and now we go to Q's house. Yeah, to interrupt his date. Yep. Yes, where we just learn offhandedly that Q is has a date with a man, which Mm -hmm. I, I really like how they do that, where they don't. They don't make a big deal out of Bond's not like, oh, a man, or anything yeah. like that. It's just, oh, oh. Yeah, he just says something about, like, I have a date and he'll be here soon or something yeah. like that. And that's the end of it. And they don't mm-hmm. blink or think twice about it. It's, it's, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I also like that Q is finally using a sandbox computer to stick on <laughs> things into it. Learn that from Skyfall. <laughs> yes, just a bit. I think they missed an opportunity for a joke with that memory stick where they could have done another play on the, you have no idea what it's been through to get here. Cause apparently that's the one that he swallowed. Yes. Uh, I, I also, and I think we, we mentioned this. I like bonds quip about 
Q's hairless cat when he said, you know, they make them with fur now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, we find out that Madeline Swan is Blofeld's psychiatrist. What a dink. Yeah. But first she has to go meet a new patient who we would recognize because we know Rami Malek is playing the villain. Yep. And I, he reveals himself by showing her the mask. Yep. And I like the casual, like, the way he just puts the hair in the little handkerchief and folds it up and puts it in his pocket. There's not much attention drawn to it, and that obviously pl- plays into what happens at the end of the movie. Yep. So I like Rami Malek. Uh, I've been I'm most of the way through the Mr. Robot series. I have not seen that. Okay. I feel like he plays the same thing a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. He's found, like, a groove. And he's doing an accent here and stuff, but other than that, I get a lot of Mr. Robot in this performance, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's a little more calm here than he is in that show, but uh, it's a good show. I think you would like it. I have heard that from other people as well. Yeah. Which means I'm probably not going to watch it just out of sheer stubbornness. (laughs) (laughs) I like the scene with M and Bond outside, mostly because they they, they play the Honor Majesty's Secret Service theme. In the background. Yes, which that is, great. is great. Yeah. preparing to go oh we learn more backstory about the about we learn about the nanobots Mm -hmm. and how they killed people at the funeral because they were related even though that shouldn't work (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we learned that actually m designed it yep whoops yeah we're definitely getting shades of mission impossible here yes (laughs) i mean i like the idea of how many people made out with that corpse but they're all dead. Anyway. Like you know, sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um it it does make sense to me this idea of we wanna we part of our job is we have to kill people. And it's better to do it this way than to put people in harm's way. So like in a very if you don't think about it too hard sense, it makes sense, I guess, that this would be something you would consider doing. But yeah. Yeah. I've seen this movie before and it doesn't it never works well. <laughs> nope. There are some things that just should not be out there. <laughs> and right. this is one of them. Yes. Single nucleotide variants and polymorphisms that could target a range Stop reading science and just throwing words <laughs> together. Like those are words that mean something. But 
Anyway, yep. so yeah, they um now we go to Bell Marsh Prison, mm-hmm. and we see we see Madeline putting the stuff on her hands. Yep, that Safin gave to her. Mm-hmm. And she and Bond are obviously, you know, a little. Have, uh, there's a little bit of tension there. Yep, a little bit. Just a bit, yeah. And now we've got Dialacon, or I guess Convana. <laughs> I, I just call it the Asylum Automat here. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> I was thinking the Carvana, Convana. Yeah, no, I like that. That's good. <laughs> it, a, ven- a vending machine for crazy people. Yeah, but then you hit, like, D7 instead of G6, and you get a comp- Yeah. Now, I don't know if you knew this or thought of this, but, like, I knew from the moment he grabs her wrist that Bond was going to kill Blofeld in this scene. Oh, yeah, same. Okay. Because otherwise, why would they have that happen? Yep. And this is a good scene. Yes. I, I was not a big fan of Christoph Waltz in the last movie, and... he I like him in this one. Yeah. I also really like when Bond is just like, Happy birthday, by the way. And he says, Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and okay, I have I have questions about what Blofeld's plan was. <laughs> His plan was to kill Bond. But was it? I mean, in my notes, I just very inarticulately was saying, like, he's like the typical white guy that can't admit that he's wrong about something, because he goes to blow up Bond at the gravesite, but he's gloating about how he's the reason that he broke up Madeline and Bond. Yep. Like, that wasn't your plan. Your plan was to blow him up at the, at the thing, or have the Cyclops guy kill him, or a million other things. Yes, but he has other plans in case those plans fall. Sure. He can, you know, continue to torture James of, Bond. Of course he does. <laughs> it's the only explanation. Right. And, like, if Madeline, it was Madeline's idea to go to the town where Vesper's grave was, so was Blofeld just, like, twiddling his thumbs for years waiting for that to happen? I guess. <laughs> I do like when he says Cuba was a disappointment, but we all cry on our birthday. Yeah, (laughs) yes, that's a good line. And we get what I think is an unfairly maligned moment when Bond eventually grabs him by the neck and goes, Die, Blofeld, die. Which, yeah, that's cheesy. Yeah. But that is a direct lift from the end of the novel You Only Live Twice. Because at the end of the book, he strangles Blofeld and says exactly that. So it works for me just because it's it's a reference to the novel, even though mm-hmm. it's kind of cheesy. Yeah. There's actually a lot of You Only Live Twice in this movie. Uh, the whole lat, the whole end of the movie with the Garden of Death and stuff comes right out of that book. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have not read that one yet. Okay. That's the last... I mean, it's not really the last one, but it kind of is. He wrote... It- there were a couple posthumous ones after that, but... I, I like keep, you know reading for a while and then coming back and then mm-hmm. yeah but I'm trying to think which i think the last one i've read in it's the the last one i finished was diamonds are forever okay that one's very different than the movie much better than the movie yeah there was no like dilapidated western town in the movie <laughs> or the train book doesn't go to baja baja <laughs> well they haven't got anything in baja <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so, yeah, I, I like how um, Blofeld dies off screen, too. Yeah. And you just hear the thump. Thunk. Yeah. Yeah, Tanner comes in and yells at him, and you just hear clunk. Oh, and here's where we find out that you can't get the nanobots off your body. And the... 
the really weird line where Q's like, nanobots just aren't aren't just for Christmas. Yeah, and so here's the thing. Like, they're, they're saying, oh, it's no big deal because it will only kill Blofeld. But, like, couldn't it also kill anyone who has some of Blofeld's DNA? You would think. I mean, any... Yeah. And since Blofeld was, like, Bond's adoptive brother, he probably knows some people who share his DNA. Well, they all died in the ski accident, remember? Well, I bet he knows, like, some aunts and uncles or something. I don't think he's going to go after the Oberhauser family. <laughs> Well, he could if he wanted to. He could. And here we see Bond going off to the same house we saw at the beginning of the movie. Yep. We find out that he has a kid. Yep. Although she denies it for a while. He's not, she's not yours. She's not yours. It's obvious that she's his. Oh, yeah. This is the one part of the movie that I think they could have trimmed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's the, 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 the car chase and stuff, and then all the stuff in the trees and stuff. that They could have just come to the house, and I think they would have been fine. Save maybe... 15 minutes out of the movie. Yeah, th- this is the scene, uh, when I saw it in the theater, I actually missed some of it because I realized that this is probably a good time to go to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> when Bond is talking to Madeline? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he was still talking to Madeline when he got when I got back, so it was. <laughs> I, I do like the line where she says, you know the worst thing about you, and he says, my timing. Yeah. But we do get a quick uh, shot of M uh, and Tanner. Mm-hmm. That they've. This is when they're in the Hall of M's. Yes, which I think we only see we only see um, Judy Dench and uh, Robert Brown in this scene. But yeah. there definitely is at some point we do see Bernard Lee. Yeah, I do like when M is talking to Double O Seven. And she asks for permission to kill, and he says, granted, your predecessor was less deferential. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I like Bond's comment about how Mr. White had a thing for secret rooms, because they have another secret room in this house. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little weird that she lives in the house where her mother was murdered in front of that, her. That is weird, yeah. Bond cuts up apples really weirdly. <laughs> yes. And he's like, how is it? As though it doesn't taste like an apple. Well, because he cut it weirdly. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, he peels the apple, which is normal, but then, like, he keeps going and, yeah. like, continues with the shavings. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Apple shavings. And, I mean, if you have a little kid, I, I feel like a thin, like, slice of apple like that is more of a choking hazard than a little chunk. Mmm. Yeah, know. probably. I don't know. I don't know. I never choked on an apple. Show title. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, All right. So, oh, here's here's where they have that weird thing with the mosquito bites. Yeah, I was sure that was gonna be Chekhov's mosquito bite. I thought yeah. that she had gotten a te- she had gotten the virus or the nanobots. Yes. No, I agree. But yeah, this whole scene is a cool car chase, I guess, mm-hmm. but it does feel a little unnecessary. And maybe we've been spoiled by action movies like i don't none of this feels like it's nothing i haven't seen before yeah which is part of the problem also where do all the cars keep coming from (laughs) yeah i don't know it's like a freaking video game and they just spawn in yep and then they come out in motorcycles too yep i i do like when he gets the motorcycle with the wire that's that yeah feels very ewok to me (laughs) yes especially in this forest Mm-hmm. 
And then he lets no- Logan Ash die. Which, again, I still think feels a little bit like in For Your Eyes Only when he kicks the car off the cliff. Yes. Because he, he grabs the car and throws it down on him. Mm-hmm. I always think of, I think of the, um, the end of Mad Max. Yes. Yep. In this scene. But, uh, yeah, Safin has abdu- abducted Madeline. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Nomi has very interesting sunglasses. Yeah. Nice car, though. Yeah, I like them. I like the car. Not a fan of the sunglasses. No, I... Nice. Yeah. And now they're off to the island. Mm-hmm. The Russian the island. I like when Q is going through his tools and he accidentally pulls out the drawer of tea supplies. <laughs> yes, I know. The full yes. tea set in yep. the drawer. You know, in Moonraker, it would have been a drawer full of 7-Up. <laughs> yes. Yes, it would have been. Well, here's to us. Yeah. <laughs> we get the first, like, really good Bond villain lair in a long time. Ah, this concrete. Love a good concrete lair. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last really good lair... Ooh. Might go all the way back to uh, License to Kill. Oh, like... The the televangelist thing, yeah, the temple thing. That was a good layer. Because I mean, it was a train in Golden Eye, which doesn't count. No, I mean, I yeah, and I guess the thing under the satellite dish doesn't really count either. No. Um, we have the stealth boat. The stealth boat and tomorrow never dies was kind of cool. Um, not really a layer in. No, the there's not a layer in world is not enough. He had the ice palace. The in, ice palace and die another day, but. <sighs> It's not really a lair. That's yeah. Uh, obviously, nothing in Casino Royale. Nope. Um, the stupid hydrogen-powered hotel. <laughs> the, the fuel cell yes. hotel. But that wasn't a lair. It was just a hotel. It was they a hotel they, were, they happened to be at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess there was a lair inspector. The well, that, lair. that well that abandoned that abandoned like village. Oh wow! Remember oh, there were when, multiple lairs. Yeah. The abandoned was, village is a pretty good lair. The battleship island thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Where they used a real a real abandoned island for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a pretty good lair. Yeah. And Blofeld had that stupid place out in the desert that doesn't yeah. really count. That's what I was thinking of the lair in the desert. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the island was in um, Skyfall. Yep. Yeah. But this is still a pretty great lair. I I think this is the best lair since License to Kill. Yeah, I, I'll I'll go with that. <laughs> oh, we need to rank our top five Bond layers at some point. Well, the the secret volcano layer. I, <laughs> I was gonna say the volcano layer from <laughs> "You Only Live Twice" yes. is like the iconic layer. Yeah. <laughs> I've always liked, even though it's not in the movie much. I like uh, Hugo Drax's lair with like the the giant like pyramid things. Mm. Where they launch the space shuttles from. I don't know if that's a top five lair, but that's that's a good lair. <laughs> no, you know what the best lair is? Mm-hmm. That room in Goldfinger with the model. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this, this lair's pretty good. Um, even if I don't fully understand what they're doing with that water and what's in that water. And no. That's the problem. Like, none of this matters. Yep. It's, I mean, it's all about, they have the Heracles stuff, and he's 
on a mission to just wipe out. Now this feel this you know we were talking you were talking about uh, Fallout like this feels like you know the what is what do they keep saying the, the greater the suffering the greater the peace or something like that is in that manifesto that Henry Cavill keeps talking about. Oh yeah. Also the way this like weird little plane lands in the water and goes underneath into the tunnel is right out of The Incredibles. <laughs> yes. Yes it is. <laughs> yeah, I do love a good abandoned World War II military complex like in this this whole thing. I I like this the look of this a lot. Yeah. And he's got like the gar- he's got the garden of death and everything. Yeah. Which again is right out of the book from You Only Live Twice. Garden of Death where people go and commit suicide. And then we, we yeah, we've got the cool glider submarine thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are these people in the red like hazmat suits doing in the water? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but that water is like it kills the Russian guy later, so Yeah. I like when they ask which one's Bond on the map and Q says, Oh, he's the Psy and he's like, Oh the the trident thingy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're at the edge of a toxic merry-go-round. <laughs> but yeah, the people in the suits are doing weird things. Yep. Toxic water. And now we get the Russian guy again. Mm-hmm. She just breaks his nose at one point. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. They have the tea that Madeline has to drink, and she throws it in the guy's eye because, of course, he's only got one eye. But I guess he's okay later. I guess. Well, he will be for a little while anyway. Yeah. Safin clearly knows that this girl is his daughter. Yes. And is using that to his full advantage here. Oh yeah. But yeah, this is when this is when Safin kind of explains what he's doing and it still doesn't really make sense. Nope, not a lot. The thing that no one wants to admit is that most people want things to happen to them. We tell each other lies about the fight for free will and independence, but we don't really want that. We want to be told how to live and then die when we are not looking. People want oblivion and a few of us are born to build it for them. So here I am, their invisible God, sneaking under their skin. You know that history isn't kind to those who play God. And you don't? We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little... tidier. Without collateral. I want the world to evolve. Yet you want it to stay the same. Let's face it. I've made you redundant. No. Not as long as there are people like you in the world. It's gonna kill a bunch of people for reasons, because he's the villain, I guess. Well, villains gotta kill. Yeah. Yeah. This part of the movie feels like it could be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> well, they spend a lot of time in this lair. Yeah. Before the action happens, yeah. Well, I feel like it could either be shorter, or it could have been expanded to the point where it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And they kind of they kind of split the difference and spend a lot of time, but don't really advance much of the story. I do like when the girl Matilde, yeah, Matilde, Matilde yeah, uh, bites Safin to get away though. Yep, 
That's pretty good. Well, I like when he's like, I guess you don't want to be protected, and he just leaves her. Yep. But she lost Dudu, the little bunny. Mm-hmm. It's like the bear that blows up on the Enterprise. Yeah. It's sad. So I know you don't like this. the next part here where where Nomi kills Russian dude. I just think the line is cheesy. I love the line. Okay. I think it's great. Okay. No, I, I do not need a laboratory to exterminate your entire race from the face of the earth. Do you know what time it is? What? Time to die. I, I love that, which is it's time to die. That's oh, I love it. <laughs> but there's no time to die. Mm. I also enjoy, at the same time that the baked-in subtitle says, I lost my little doo-doo, the, the optional subtitle says, Mathilde speaking French. Thank oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's been reunited, and it's all good. They're going to launch a strike on this factory of poison. Yep, Bond's just got to open the doors. Because the missiles will bounce off of them because they're missile doors from the... I don't think they would bounce off them. No, and you would think that between World War II and now they would have better weapons. Yeah, no, I think it could still... Yeah, I don't... I don't buy this. Yeah. But, you know, this is so Bond has time to die. (laughs) I, I do enjoy Q saying, you know, it's a very it's a very uh, complex thing, and he just pulls the handle and does it. Yes. But then Safin come. Oh, yeah, he has to fight the other guy first. I'm sorry. I forgot that. Oh, going up the stairs, yeah. That's a great sequence, though, of them going up the stairs. Because yes. it's like, again, with today's technology, I don't know if it's a cheat or not. You know, the, like... There's a great that great sequence at the beginning of Spectre that you can if you look closely you can see where they cheated, and it's not a one take. Oh uh, well, there's a couple cuts in this too. Right, but I mean, from the time that he like opens the door and I guess and the grenade goes off and stuff and his hearing goes out again, it seems like it's a one shot of him going up the stairs, and it could yeah. it might not be, but. But yeah, this is when he fights the guy and he uses the EMP watch on him. So, no, actually, when the grenade falls is when it changes. Is there, yeah. There's a, yeah. Right, but then from here on out, I think going up the stairs, it's at least it looks like one a one take. No, there's a there's a cut just okay. after he falls, just after the the grenade goes off and he goes down to the ground, there's a cut. Yeah, no, no but then after that. <laughs> you keep like, changing the time. No, from the time the grenade goes off... And oh, he gets goes up. off. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hold on. And he gets up. Well, it goes black for a second when mm-hmm. he's going up the stairs. So it, very well, there could right. have there could have been there. a cut there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple times you they could have sneaked a cut in. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is a very good shot. Yeah. I don't like because I don't think the EMP watch would have made the eye explode. Right. It would have just made the eye stop working. Mm-hmm. Also, why doesn't the EMP watch turn off the nanobots? That's a great question. You'd think it would. But yeah, that's the problem with EMPs in every movie, is they make things explode <laughs> when they don't. They wouldn't yep. do that. And I still think that they overdid it with the line, with the, the one line. I also here. liked that line. Ben, do you read me? Yeah. Yeah, Q. I read you. Sounds like you're in a rugby scrum. I just show someone you'll watch. Really blew their mind. <laughs> was very much a Roger Moore sort of thing. Yeah. 
I I always love those kind of lines. I like the I just showed somebody your watch line, and then the it really blew his mind was kind of eh, okay. You're you're spiking the football a little bit, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, here's where the, you know Q says that there's a uh, very complicated mechanism to turn on the stuff, and he's he just, just like screw it and yep flips all the switches and it works fine. So they fire the missiles. Yep. He finds doo-doo. He finds doo-doo. But then the doors close again. Yep. And this is when Safin shoots him. They fight in the pool of water, and they both get infected. Mm-hmm. And now he can never go near Madeline and Mathilde again. Never again. I do like his very just kind of, like, he just gets, he just picks his gun up and shoots Safin and keeps going. Like, he... Mm-hmm. He's kind of given up on everything at this point, other than, I'm going to go open the doors, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so now, yeah, he goes back, he get, opens the doors, he talks to... Mm-hmm. He, he talks to everybody on the radio, talks to talks to Madeline, tells her he's, it's going to be the end. Mm-hmm. Very good scene. Yeah. This works for me. Oh, yeah. This whole process is great. Madeline. You have made... The most beautiful thing I have ever seen. She's perfect. Because she came from you. like when he tells Madeline she's made the most beautiful thing he's ever seen and she says because she came from you yeah yeah that's yeah just great it's good yep and it is now time to die mm-hmm. sorry I've made that joke like four times yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I like the scene here in in M's office mm-hmm. uh, as you said before it, it's sort of like that toast at the end of Nemesis when data's dead Yes, um, the only good part of the Nemesis. Oh. And yeah, I like this last scene of the movie. His name was Bond, yep. James Bond. Mm-hmm. They go through the tunnel, and it's like the gun barrel, and they play the Louis Armstrong Louis Armstrong. Song and, yeah. and James Bond will return. Yes, in some How? form or another. What do you think they're going to do? I have no idea. So, I think they can go one of two ways. I think they can either cast a new Bond... And just reboot again, or just do stories. Mm-hmm. And in which case, it's probably going to end up being a thing where they're each Bond, each Bond actor is going to get an arc, mm-hmm. or kind of like what we were saying. We wish they could do. I wonder if they're going to do 
at least for a while, almost, you know, almost like st- we were saying Star Wars and the Star Wars story movies do, you know, an MI6 movie. Know me, an MI6 story. Yeah. So it's not James Bond. <laughs> yeah, but they said James Bond will return. Sure, but that doesn't mean they're not going to bring him back at some point. Hmm, okay. But you could do a Bond-adjacent story about... Because presumably they have other agents that do things other than die to set up a plot for James <laughs> Bond. <laughs> you know. Probably. Yeah. I could see them doing that in a way just because that gets around the whole issue with, oh, James Bond can't be a woman. You can't have a woman leading a movie because blah, 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 blah. You could do a no-me movie and have her even be 007, and and that would be fine. I'd, I'd be fine with that. They could do 007 in New York. They could, they could do 007 in New York. Finally. And, yeah, and, and do that. I mean, the only other thing they could do, and I, and it's not the way people make movies anymore, is just do one-off stories with somebody that could fit in anywhere, I guess, canonically. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were me, I would probably do a 007 movie with Nomi. Heck, bring back Paloma, why not? Sure. You know, get, give Lashana Lynch a movie to carry a movie. And then, if you decide you want to start over again with James Bond, you can do that afterwards. And, I mean, you have... You have M, you have Q, you have Money Penny, and you have Tanner, and all these people already set up to do stuff. Yeah, no, that I, I think that could work. I like your idea. I I had no ideas, so I like Mm-mm. yours. <laughs> it's sort of like remember back when they actually thought they were going to do a Jinx movie, mm-hmm. and then people realized that nobody wants that. <laughs> no. Uh, but I feel like that in a way, Nomi almost fills that role in a in the way it should have been filled in the first place. Yes. Nomi is a much better character than Jinx. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is Purvis and Wade redeeming themselves for that. Well, Purvis and Wade were going to write Jinx, the Jinx movie, too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, maybe looking at the entire Purvis and Wade uh, output and say, well, there's several solid women characters in this movie and... Phoebe Waller-Bridge had a hand in writing some of the movies, so I'm sure that she was influential in some ways there. Sure. So, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not that familiar with uh, Kerry Fukunaga's work, unfortunately, so I can't really comment on Same. what else he's written. So I don't know how much, how much of the script and how much of this movie is his hand versus everyone else. I would be very curious to see a Danny Boyle, James Bond movie, though. Like, I wonder I what that, I wonder what that would have been like. Wade wrote the original Johnny English. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. It is quite the pedigree there. <laughs> yeah. And seven Bond films. Yep. <laughs> wow. And, you know, they average out to be decent, I guess, the bond, their Bond films. Because for every Spectre, there's, you know, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. Well, I think we've talked about more or less everything we could possibly say about this movie, given this is our second podcast episode about it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at PodSpiel, or you can send us an email at SpielPodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And you can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. You know, because of, again, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. The next we'll actually be recording <laughs> next next we'll be recording the sixth Mission Impossible movie. Yes, Mission Impossible Fallout. However, Fine. I believe after this 
we will be returning with, I believe, Casino Royale 1967. So stay tuned that for what, that. Did we watch that before Never Say Never Again? Oh, that's a good question. I think we did Never Say Never Again first and then Casino Maybe. Royale 1967. Well, because that's a parody. When you get to this, yes, that's true. So clearly we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, so obviously. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for listening again. And like we said, License the Spiel will return next week. And we won't say with what, because just like the end of this movie, we don't know. Because I think it's never we recorded this about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all we have, you will find we need nothing more. Of the way we'll find us with the cares of the world far behind us. We have all the time in the world just for now. Nothing more, nothing less, only.